Economies the world over are contracting. Their economic forecasts are shrinking. Layoffs are growing at an alarming pace. Hopes of a rebound are non-existent. And recession fears we're talking about. It's impacting industries and countries across the globe. The IMF forecast for global growth is slow to a point of 2.7% in 2023 from 6% in 2021. Throughout history, economies have gone through a repeating pattern called the boom and the bust cycle. This cycle involves times of economic growth, known as the boom, followed by downturns called the bust. In today's episode, I want to make economic cycles easy to understand and share some practical tips for tough times. I'll explain how these cycles affect regular folks like us and what we can do to keep our money and mental well-being in good shape. I'm your host, Ashish Chavla. Welcome to another episode of Temperament by One Finance, where we explore emotions and biases and their effect on the way we handle our money. Our aim is to help you avoid costly mistakes by giving you practical financial knowledge that helps you make smarter financial decisions. According to the National Bureau of Economic Research, there have been 34 business cycles between 1854 and 2020 with each full cycle lasting roughly 56 months on average. In the pre-industrial era, economies were influenced by factors like weather and crop yields. The Industrial Revolution in the 18th and the 19th centuries brought significant growth, but also financial panics. The late 19th century experienced a long depression, and the 1929 stock market crash led to the Great Depression in the 1930s. Post-World War II, there was a period of reconstruction and growth, but the 1970s faced oil crisis. In the recent times, the dot-com bubble in the late 1990s and the housing bubble in the mid-2000s caused economic downturns. The 2008 financial crisis and the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 are more recent examples of bus periods. These cycles are influenced by various factors such as technology, global events, and people's confidence in the economy. Governments often use policies to lessen the impact of downturn and boost recovery during busts, highlighting the natural ups and downs in the journey of economic development. To understand all this better, let me invite my first guest on the show, Peter Schiff. He's the Chief Economist and Global Strategist at Euro-Pacific Asset Management, a financial commentator and the man who predicted the 2008 crisis. Peter, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I am just curious to know, Peter, that how do you stay ahead of the curve when it comes to understanding economic cycles? Well, I think it's so many other people that are behind the curve because they don't understand these basic principles. You know, they've been educated or maybe indoctrinated in Keynesian economics. And so they're constantly surprised by the things that the Austrians are able to predict in advance because their understanding of economics is sound, whereas... Uh, the Keynesian's view is, is extremely flawed. And when you understand how government manipulation of money supply and credit and interest rates, how it distorts an economy and leads to misallocations of resources and malinvestments, you don't have to be that smart to predict how it's going to end. It's just yeah. that the Keynesians who don't appreciate the impact that government has, the distortive impact, uh, are constantly surprised by what should be obvious. Peter touched upon several principles in his opening remarks that, in my opinion, require further explanations. 
allow me to break them down for better understanding. There are two different schools of economics that he referred to. Keynesian economics, founded by John Keynes, proposes active government involvement. This theory contends that during periods of recession, governments should increase spending to stimulate demand and counter unemployment, while in times of prosperity, they should reduce spending to prevent inflation. On the other hand, Austrian economics, championed by figures like Ludwig von Mises and Friedrich Hayek, advocates for individual freedom and free markets with minimal government interference. The Austrian school attributes business cycles to central bank-driven monetary expansion, leading to unsustainable booms and subsequent economic downturns. But what exactly are these boom and bust cycles? I think that needs some basic understanding as well. Well, obviously, in the boom, right, Everybody is making money. Everybody is having fun. Times are good. And during the bust, you know, everybody is losing money. And some people are, you know, jumping off of the top of buildings, right? I mean, it's kind of analogous to a way a drug addict would go through a period of euphoria when they're high on drugs and then a period of depression when they're hungover. And, uh, you know, the drugs are out of their system and now they're going through withdrawal or whatever. So you get that kind of highs and lows. But the boom and bust cycle, as we know it, is not some kind of inherent flaw in capitalism that, you know, well, this is just how capitalism works. You just go through these cycles of booms and busts and you just have all this irrational exuberance and then, you know, it ends. And that is not the case. These cycles, are generally the result of government interference in the economy that leads to the artificial boom, which then sows the seeds of an inevitable a bust. But the bust right. is actually where the, the stakes are corrected. Just like when you're, you know, you're detoxing out of you know, your heroin, uh, you're getting it out of your system. And so the recession or the bust is actually beneficial part of the process. The problem is the boom. And the boom is created by the manipulation of interest rates and money supply, which sends false economic signals and causes bubbles, causes uh, stock prices or real estate prices to be too high. And it causes people to make bad decisions. It causes people to take on risks that under normal circumstances, they would never take on. And so the government, through these misinformation that is being sent on interest rates, and it causes the mistakes that have to be corrected. During boom, a central bank like the RBI in case of India makes it easier to obtain credit by lending money at lower interest rates. Individuals and businesses can then borrow money easily and cheaply and invest it in, say, stocks or houses. Many people earn high interest on their investments and the economy grows. The problem is that when credit is too easy to obtain and interest rates are too low, people will overinvest. This excess investment is called malinvestment. There won't be enough demand for, say, all the homes that have been built and the bus cycle will set in. Things that have been overinvested in will decline in value. Investors lose money, consumers cut spending and companies cut jobs. Credit becomes more difficult to obtain as boom-time borrowers become unable to make their loan payments. The bus periods are referred to as recessions. If the recession is particularly severe, it is called a depression. 
So my next question is probably, which economic indicators can be analyzed to determine the direction in which the economy is heading? Well, obviously, when interest rates are very low, it encourages a lot of debt. A lot of money is borrowed that may not be able to be repaid. But when credit is flowing freely, a lot of the lenders are not concerned about repayment. And so they lend too much to non-creditworthy borrowers. And that's not just in the private sector, but in the government. I mean, look at the United States. Our national debt is now growing by a trillion dollars a quarter. We're paying over a trillion dollars a year in interest on our $34 trillion debt. That's going to grow to $2 trillion next year and, and much higher in the years after that, which is you know completely unaffordable. But a lot of uh, American households are, are highly levered. A lot of companies are over levered. And all these uh, you know, chickens are coming home to roost. And part of it is the inflation that has uh, you know, finally uh, broken out to levels that are extremely problematic for people. And this is going to just get worse because we haven't saved enough. We've borrowed and spent too much. We haven't produced enough. And these imbalances were a direct consequence of rates that were artificially low, that discouraged savings and investment and encouraged consumption and spending, borrowing. It appears that numerous indicators play a crucial role in discerning the direction of the economic cycles. Elements such as interest rates, inflation rates, employment figures, stock and housing market performance, trade balances and similar factors collectively provide insights into the prevailing trajectory of the economic cycle. Reducing confidence also contributes to the bust cycle. Investors and consumers get nervous when the stock market corrects or crashes. Investors sell their positions and buy safe haven investments that traditionally don't lose value, such as bonds, gold and the US dollar. And as companies lay off workers, consumers lose their jobs and stop buying anything but necessities. And that worsens the downward economic spiral. The bus cycle eventually stops on its own. That happens when prices are so low that those investors that still have cash start buying again. This can take a long time and even lead to a depression. Confidence can be restored more quickly by central bank monetary policy. That is controlling of money supply and interest rates and government fiscal policy which relates to government expenditure, taxation, etc. And then, of course, there are the geopolitical scenarios that impact the world economies as well. Yeah, and that just adds another level of risk, more things that could go wrong that you need to be cognizant of. And I think the geopolitical situation is inherently inflationary in that it may result in shortages that will be met by policymakers with additional monetary stimulus. You know, wars are expensive. Not only do they cost money to wage, but they do disrupt economic activity. Look, now you just have sh uh, ships that were going through the Middle East now being rerouted, you know, below the Horn of Africa, which is going to add considerable time and expense to transport whatever merchandise was, was aboard these ships. I mean, so these things are negatives for the economy. I had a time where, you know, we, we already have too many negatives. Thank you, Peter, for those insightful perspectives. Understanding these principles is crucial. Now, there's so much more left to explore in this discussion. How does the boom and bust cycle affect people like you and me? What practical financial planning strategies should we adopt? And crucially, how can we safeguard ourselves from economic downturns? Join me in part two of the episode where I'll continue our exploration with more expert insights and practical tips. 
I'll see you on the other side. Investment in securities market are subject to market risks. Read all related documents carefully before investing. The securities quoted are for illustration only and are not recommendatory.